0: <laughs> really Hello. <laughs> I actually know a girl in a high school who um. She, like
1: jealous of girls who have like low ranges. She tried to
0: change her voice to be like really Elizabeth low. Homes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we were all like, Sarah, we know what your voice sounds like. <laughs> That's really good. Um, all right, welcome okay. back, everyone. We're joined here today with Kit Volta a creative technologist and xr artist um i love your work with 3d and ar and i'm excited to talk to you a little bit more about it so i can get a better structure on where you're coming from and and what you're trying to create um so first i'd like to know a little bit more about your creative practice i guess i don't know much about your whole journey Mm -hmm. where you've been and how you started getting into 3d
1: Yeah, um, so I originally started in the photo space. Um, I started taking photos of myself and then other people in high school. Um, mm, My very first photo class was actually a darkroom photography class when I was 13. That's cool to do at 13. Yeah, I I think that was like a, (laughs) it's something about, I really love um, the feeling of like rituals around creative practices that's something i really miss with working in digital um i did a lot of theater growing up and still love it and i think there's a similar feeling with being in a dark room and being backstage where like it's like such a dark eerie place everything's kind of suspended um it really feels almost like a spiritual practice in a way but i um i really wanted to go into film when i started college i went to nyu and um realized early on that like you need a lot of resources and people to make films happen so much yeah so much money so much and also like i don't come from a well-off financial background (laughs) um so uh freshman year i was like talking to my advisor i'm like hey who who was a filmmaker and i'm like hey like i'm really nervous about my like future career after graduation because like i'm i'm on scholarship but i'm taking out a lot of loans to go here and all this stuff and he's like oh he's like don't worry about like Your work you should just be having fun and doing you know what you like and I'm like uh I can't afford that (laughs) (laughs) so that's what actually started getting me into kind of this tech space um by sophomore year I was like okay I have to start learning how to code um I to mentally method prep myself I binged all of Silicon Valley (laughs) to get into the mindset and then um Freshman, uh, sorry, first semester, sophomore year, I took a one on one private lesson with a professor on new media art. And she was really the person who introduced me to this whole world uh, of just like interactive art and technology. Um, I saw a lot of exhibits and performances uh, that used tech that I've never seen before. And it kind of still captured the same feelings that I really enjoyed about film and theater and photo. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is something that I can use to, well, one, it's a new space, you know. There's mm-hmm. not as much competition. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it also kind of got my brain really working. Um, and I ended up transferring into the Interactive Media Arts Program that was just starting my junior year. And because of that, took a lot of grad classes at ITP, the Interactive Telecommunications Program. And that's where I got exposed to AR, VR, interactive computing using Arduinos and sensors and um, live music and uh, visual programs such as Touch Designer and Max MSP. And I really was so blown away by how much I could do on my own without mm-hmm. needing like a full crew and a full team to build a world. That's one of the first things that drew me to VR, being able to immerse the user into this brand new environment um, in a way that you could by putting on a theater play or making them watch a film but like I could theoretically do it all on my own using 3D models and then the pandemic happened um, (laughs) so I graduated in 2020 and um, by then I was starting to make AR filters um, got exposed to that through an internship I did the summer before um, and I really loved it because it's the first way I was able to actually share this like new media XR work with my friends because nobody really had a VR headset and you know it's still not super accessible, but filters were like they're in Instagram, they're in Snapchat. People can just whip them on their face. And it's also cool to see people like wearing my art in a way. Exactly. Um so that got me really excited and I um basically you freelance doing that for a while. And but what really kept getting in the way is that I'm like, there are so many beautiful things I see in my head, but I don't have the technical skills to execute them. And especially during, um, you know, lockdown, um, I started spending more time trying to dive into these 3D programs and um, learning how to make the 3D stuff that I want to make. I'm still not quite there yet, but it's been a very long journey. And honestly, now after spending the past two, three years kind of half brain dead half just like sitting in these purely digital environments I'm really craving getting back into the physical space and doing more performance oriented work now having some more technical knowledge and trying to kind of blend the two together which has always I think been my real intention within this space
0: right so as you get back more into traditional like performance-based work is that going to be integrated with your virtual
1: I think so yeah um just because it's hard for me not to think about it when I um get back into it now that I've been exposed to it and also because I haven't really spent the hours and hours and hours that a traditional performer has or a traditional set designer has where like I could create something as high quality as they could (laughs) um and I'm still very interested in experimenting with new mediums and making people see things that they haven't really experienced before. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And when you were doing film, were,
0: were you ever creating VR or like digital immersive
1: films through Yeah. that process? So um, I did make a couple VR pieces during school. But lately, I found myself drifting away from VR. I think that the furthest that I like to go is AR or mixed reality because I really like something that's really important to me is people physically being present together in a space. Or at least if they're experiencing it on their own, still getting the real world around them. Um, I find that technology can be very isolating in the way that we kind of mass consume it right now. And VR, to me, like, I don't love the idea of completely taking somebody out of their entire reality. Mm -hmm. Um, Unless we are, like, building a physical set and we're bringing a bunch of people in together. They're still, like, physically there with each other. I've
0: been thinking about that recently because, you know, everyone's talking about VR right now. And I feel like our user patterns or what we're asking for isn't Mm -hmm. even like a fully immersive VR experience. We're looking for something that
1: blends the two. For sure. Um, And especially among Gen Z, I think there's a general sense of nihilism and just dissatisfaction with the way that the bigger like mass adopted technologies have been used. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I really think that we should be using it to bring people together rather than push them apart that's kind of like one of my fundamental principles
0: I yeah think. you can you can sense this pushback this public pushback of it I mean we see it all the time with filters whenever one gets introduced on mm-hmm. TikTok and everyone's like this is so dangerous yeah what are we doing um, and people just as much as they're starting to value immersive progression in technologies they're also starting to value the real because we're entering this time right now where we don't know how much longer we're going to have it
1: yes yes I think for me it was really because I spent so much time alone during the beginning of the pandemic it was like I was really hyped up about the XR space before it started when I was first dipping my feet into it because it was so novel to me but when it when it kind of everything got shut down and your only form of communication was digital and virtual I became so like horribly depressed not for like only personal reasons, but because I wasn't able to be there with people like Mm -hmm. physically present. And it feels like, um, the true, like precious things in life now are privacy and the ability to experience things in real life. Like I think among our generation, at least in like very wealthy, like well-developed countries, so much of our life is slowly becoming more and more digital and, I don't, I I just don't think our bodies have evolved quickly enough to feel good about that.
0: Yeah, that's true. I've been thinking a lot recently about, um, our ideas of self and especially when we put them into, when we inject it into digital frameworks Mm -hmm. because it does create this kind of fragmented, I, this fragmented subjectivity, um, which we always have all the time anyway right like we are different people when we're at home versus Mm -hmm. out in the world and then you are a different person when you're on instagram when you're on tiktok when you're doing whatever
1: yeah i feel like growing up on social media i have gone through several waves of like my character building or or whatever um I definitely, I think, ha- I'm at my most healthiest right now. <laughs> but it took a really long time to get there. And, like, I don't think I would be there if I didn't have such a solid network of friends right now that mm-hmm. are, like, you know, I, I'm just, like, happy to be with them offline <laughs> yeah. all the time.
0: Do you think that involves us stepping back from social media? Or what's the balance?
1: Um, So I think there's something to... um, It's really... I think it's, I think it's most affective, uh, when you are going through puberty and you're first learning about it and you're, s- th- there's like a very critical window of those early years, I think, where suddenly, at least I felt myself become hyper self-surveillant and on one hand, you know, social media gives you the power to potentially create a version of yourself that you don't necessarily feel like you have the ability to execute in real life yet, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, if you're being judged online by the people you know, like there's the pressure of like creating this like life and idea and it, it's less intense now in my adult circles but um, when you're a kid and you're like a tween going through the, this process, it's hard for you not to participate in it if you want to feel included, if you want to be you know social with others. I think, I have taken personally social media breaks in the past, especially when my mental health was really bad. But I also don't agree that completely getting rid of it is the answer for everybody's relationship with it. Because if Mm -hmm. you get, if you're in a place where like there is genuine social interaction you get using social media and connections and networking and stuff. For example, my little sister is completely off social media. Like that's like her thing. and she kept whenever i was bringing things up about it she kept being like you just gotta delete it you gotta get rid of it but i'm like but you don't understand like the 99 of the relationships i've built after graduating has been and she's in college right now so she's able to socialize in person and right. meet new people organically whereas with me like the most valuable relationships i've built after graduation with creatives and um other people has been started on social media yeah true i feel like in this space it's
0: I couldn't imagine trying to do Mm -hmm. it without having any kind of platform to access people or yeah
1: and there's a lot that I think could be brought into uh, you know kids lives early on about um, like a lot of psychological and therapy techniques that I think you could start learning uh, concurrently with getting exposed to social media that Mm -hmm. could potentially help lessen the um, negative effects of it. Right. Like, But we need to like invent basi- basically a pedagogical framework around how do you socialize somebody, you know, with digital means of communication, but also make sure that they are learning that it's not reality. Like, right. you know, people value you for who you are and things aren't as polarized or as intense as they seem online. Right. Yeah it does seem like there's too much blending
0: right now between Mm. reality and that which is not taking place in the physical world
1: yeah and i've been trying to find comparisons historically like what could we see these things as like for example um you know in the past among like wealthier classes like there's your public self and your private self the way you carry yourself at court for example Mm -hmm. the way you dress there's all these like there used to be very rigid social codes for how you must behave and i think that could be compared to this but i think it is such an unprecedented medium because there are so many different types of social groups that exist online and each one has their own set of rules and good and bad things about them that like you just have to be flexible as you're navigating your way through it um, and try to make uh, conscious decisions to like spend time with people offline so that you don't get too warped in your perspective of life. Very it. true. Um, I was also curious about, I saw that
0: you define yourself as an XR mm-hmm. artist and then earlier you were talking about your preference towards AR versus VR mm-hmm i think i have a good handle on it now but for a while i always had to look up the distinction between all of these because there's a few like xr is the overall umbrella right yeah
1: so um yeah i constantly change it because another part of me like really loves physical computing and that has nothing to do with extended reality it's just like using sensors in the physical world to react to your body and input Um, So I sometimes say interactive media, XR is the overall uh, umbrella term for I think any digital technology that takes reality and alters it in some way for the user, primarily through visual input, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really, uh, uh, so mixed reality, I think, uh, is used as kind of like the bridge between the two, because it does take an input from the real world and show it to you, but also adds on content this can be achieved through pass through video which is kind of like what the new apple headset is it's not really an ar device it's more of a vr headset where like you don't see the real world through clear lenses you just get a video re- like a video feed of what you're seeing right right so it's not like true true reality whereas for example the magic leap headset has clear lenses and you actually like you and i can just look at each other and we as normal um and then virtual content is projected as an added layer on top of it
0: interesting i didn't know that about the the yeah yeah
1: it wasn't super clear to people who don't work in this space Um, and that's also why the eyes look very strange in the the ads because (laughs) it's actually there's a two-way screen so there's a screen facing you and then there's outwardly facing screen and the outwardly facing screen uses the camera capture of your eyeballs and then reprojects that so you're going to look like a strange little fish creature when you wear it. I understand why they did it, though, because if you're using it in public and you, like, want somebody to know that you're paying attention to them, it can, like, show the eyes. Same as, like, if I'm wearing AirPods, I can take an AirPod out and be like, hey, like, I'm listening to you.
0: Right, yeah. Um, so when I look at your work, I notice that a lot of it is based around yourself. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, my assumption for that is when you're developing these kinds of ar filters or designs whatever the easiest person to put them through is yourself Mm -hmm. you know you're always right there but i was wondering what your relationship is with yourself and your body yeah and your art
1: it's very twofold so i think the most straightforward answer is practicality i you know i work at home i don't have very many people nearby that i could like call up instantly be like hey let's like develop this thing together and also let's use your body for it um so it is the fastest way but i started doing that even before i got into digital media i started with self portraiture and i think it comes from my desire to you know be on stage and perform and act like mm-hmm. all i ever wanted growing up was to be an actor and or a musician and kind of build a character that is kind of like a myth a larger than life creature and develop a whole world around them um and i think that driver continues into my current practice and i think it's still what i probably truly want to do the most deep down um i i was thinking about it a lot and i'm like damn it's so true like i can't i just it feels like if i were to use someone else for it it wouldn't be fully fulfilling for me and it feels like a need for attention and validation and affection that i guess i didn't get a lot as a kid and i still crave now um but it is interesting because they are characters they're not really who i am
0: okay yeah that's what i was going to. yeah
1: yeah it's it's still just like this like thing that i'm creating it's absolutely not an accurate representation of who i am in real life in real life i love other people i love studying other people and like paying attention to them meeting new people and like gaining insight on how we as human beings work um but i was thinking about this a lot today i also listened to electra heart almost all the way through for the first time the marina and the diamonds album where she kind of created that whole character of electra yeah i I actually haven't heard that album. yeah yeah so i i was thinking because i i I recently only recently started getting into pop music and i was like um i've been going down the line Mm -hmm. (laughs) of uh looking at like the iconic girlies that were big when i was a teen and there is something so fun and fascinating about being somebody you're not and embodying them yeah. and creating this creature that's like larger than life. I've always wanted to do that the most. Um, and it's just fascinating to build it. And also I I don't feel like I have the authority to speak on topics other than the things that I experience mm-hmm. just because um, like I look at people who make work about um things that are not inward focused and I'm always really impressed by it because I'm like, you are so interested in this subject and you've done so much research, you know, to, to truly pay a tribute to it in such a incredible way. Whereas like I have never found something external that was as motivating for me, rather than like how can I use myself as a performer and an actor and like create a creepy little world around myself that Mm -hmm. will make people feel interested in me. Part of it is, you know, I want affection and attention, but a part of it is also just like a fascination and seeing if I could replicate something that people that I have looked up to in the past have done. Yeah. In a new way. I
0: think um, the through line of these different characters that you're putting forth is every piece or every representation of yourself different or is there this kind of online Mm -hmm. AR version of yourself?
1: I think that... there is a character that I've been workshopping since I was like thirteen that was intended to be a musical artist, and I think that that has just continued existing in my. P- I've been trying to kill it off. I've been want like <laughs> I've just gone. Die. I've been yeah no honestly because I'm like if I didn't care about this and I didn't want this, my life would be so much easier. Mm-hmm. Like I would like I would. i i wouldn't be constantly fighting basically there's like three inner people that i'm fighting that i've figured out in therapy um (laughs) and um (laughs) one of them always wants to kill the other but i i've been yeah i've been trying to get rid of this desire to build her um why because it feels impractical you know mm-hmm. i'm not a studio i don't come from money and it's just like it feels like if i i come from like an immigrant background i didn't grow up in the states so obviously there's like the very practical like rational nature that i got from my parents that are like you need to be a doctor or a lawyer like right. what are you doing yeah, <laughs> you <yeah>. know like <laughs> this like playtime stuff is for rich kids um so i constantly carry that guilt within me and i'm like if i didn't want it so bad I would be so much calmer and happier in yes. life. and um, But I just can't get rid of it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm like cursed. And I think lately the attitude has been trying to reconcile and just accept that this is a part of me. And until I make the thing that I want to make, I will not have peace. So I just need to suck it up and stop worrying so much and just make it to the best of my abilities and then continue on. Because my biggest regret would be to live my entire life as I think I should, um, you know, economically, social standards wise, even Mm -hmm. though that those don't really matter as much. But there's still like ideas in my head. I'm like, what would the smartest, what would be the smartest thing to do in my position to be like a successful person um, versus... I really want to be an artist and I just really want to like, that would be what I would want to waste my life on. It's a calling for yeah. sure. Yeah, I keep I trying th- to destroy it. Just,
0: yeah. <laughs> and that's often why people, I'm not going to say that artists don't make any money, but they will often put themselves into situations where either they aren't making money from their art or making something else, but yeah. still practicing it and working on it. Yeah. something that comes from within them that they kind of can't yeah. stop.
1: That's I just accepted it now. I used to feel like I could shave it off, but and I think a lot of that inner conflict is what ends up manifesting in the way that I present. Right, Tyra, it's, it's just like uh, lately I've been very driven towards gore and horror because it's like it's okay. that feeling of like self-destruction that I want to express because it feels too big for my body to contain, and right. that's usually the. Uh, this is separate from like beautiful ar filters that i'm just making that i'm like okay people could wear this it's like cool um the stuff involving my face and my likeness is very like i need to scream and i need to tell you that i feel horrible inside (laughs) and i just don't know how to do it in like a non um upsetting way you know art's like a safe place to let all the feelings that you you know aren't socially acceptable out because then people look at it and they're like oh yes
0: I understand I, I I get it, yeah.
1: <laughs> and a lot of people like the the reason that I am drawn to music and art is because I find ideas that I experience that other people have expressed and I'm like, "Oh, you see me. You right. see me. You get me." And like that's I think the most healing part about it.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: We definitely don't
0: have this constant platform in our daily lives to express Mm -hmm. certain feelings that we have even if we feel like they're screaming out inside of us
1: yeah and i think that's um i've been having really beautiful conversations with my friends over the past two years i think now that we've gone through like this collective trauma of covid Mm -hmm. and like everything that that entailed everybody is much more introspective and sensitive to each other and we're able to have these very open conversations about everything um but it still just doesn't feel like I still have like a, a lot of anger that I don't really like to express in my day to day life because you know, why would I add to the pain of somebody <laughs> else? And, and just like in general, it's not really going to do anything for me. Right. Um, So I try to like take it and like find a creative outlet for it before it explodes. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. I was trying to think more about, the use of bodies
1: mm-hmm.
0: in art because even me and in my practice, I don't know why I've yet to identify this, but I feel so drawn to faces and bodies. Yeah. It's the only thing that I... It's like, um, you know, in middle school when all the girls doodle And they draw the little eye. That's all <laughs> what I
1: always do. Whenever I'm doodling, that's like the first thing I start with. Yeah,
0: I feel like even when I'm making art, I'm doing faces, I'm doing bodies, and I don't really know why. But maybe... I think a lot of art is trying to capture the soul of something, and yeah. that's like an, a very obvious container for
1: most yeah. of us. I also think there is merit to examining, you know, how, uh, if you were socialized as a female specifically, like so much self surveillance is already ingrained in you culturally, d- regardless of like what specific, uh, you know, like political or religious context you were brought up in because so much media is about objectifying the Mm -hmm. female body or the femme body or et cetera. And even like with hyper-masculinity also, you experience that too. But I also think biologically we're just wired to pay attention to faces because we, we have like, I forget the term for it, but when you look at, um, uh, inanimate objects and you try to anthropomorphize them, Mm -hmm. make faces in them. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's just part of how we find each other in life. Yeah. I I found myself very drawn towards um, establishing a movement practice this year because I felt so detached from reality over the past few years, spending so much time just only interacting digitally. Like, um, getting back to dance has been really big for me and important. Like, I need to know that I can physically touch up objects. Um, And an idea I've had for a very long time is, like, making a museum explicitly where people need to touch stuff. Because whenever you go to a museum, you just, like, look, but you can't. I've gotten yelled at so many times as a kid. (laughs) Um, I grew up around D.C. I would always go to the Smithsonian galleries, and, like, I'd always be wanting to, like, at least, like, do a little poke on the marble statues, and a couple times I got away with it, but the security guards would always be like, stop!
0: (laughs) Even when they create interactive... um, interactive art exhibitions or projects or whatever, it still doesn't feel yeah very free
1: a lot of it is for maintainability like you're definitely it's not it's not within the capitalist framework to build something that's meant to be degraded and and like you know that that's unfortunate that 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 comes to be the root of all of my dissatisfaction (laughs) with uh it's capitalism but Mm -hmm. um there's i think something to building a place meant to be worn down and destroyed and having that be the the goal rather than creating like a perfect pristine object to be gazed at
0: yeah i i wonder what kinds of developments are awaiting us in the future in terms of like art is so optical mm-hmm. we're using our eyes for it i would say yeah most of the time um and same with all of these virtual spaces mm-hmm. it's all happening in the eyes we have this massive focus on one of our senses and yeah. we're neglecting the others um which, I mean, you could probably make a good argument that either vision or hearing are the most important of the senses. Or they're most <laughs> accessible on like a large scale. That's true. For people who are able to use those senses, of yeah. course. Um, I wonder how VR is going to integrate more tactile senses. That's sensations. something that
1: I've always been obsessed with is haptics and haptic feedback and like mm-hmm. like putting on a full-body suit that you know, will vibrate different parts of you to make yeah. you feel more connected to the experience. Um, there was actually an exhibit at the Cooper Hewitt a couple years ago um, about, I think, accessibility. And there was an exhibit uh, that had a full body suit meant for, um, I think, people who are hard of hearing to experience music through vibrations on their body. Okay, And I'm like, that is so cool. Like, we really need to explore alternative inputs and alternative input feedback more because we are very attuned to our environments. We just, I think because we live with our phones and we stare at things so much, we just don't think about touch and smell and um, even sound, I think.
0: Yeah, it seems like they aren't as highly valued
1: in Mm, our our culture. Um. Yeah. What would a world look like, you know, that was only based around touch or smell or sound i think that was like a very interesting thought experiment to think about how would our all of our daily interfaces be laid out mm. i wonder who's making
0: smell art
1: yeah no i mean <laughs> truly because
0: yeah just what you were talking about in terms of creating digital art yearn for the tactile you Mm -hmm. need to be able to go out in the world in order to offset this hyper concentration that you have through one of your senses and then by doing that you're kind of isolating the others um so do you think that ar is an escape from reality or is it a way to become more immersed in it
1: i think that the reason i gravitate towards ar is because it's explicitly designed to be an additive layer and not completely remove you from it so my day job I work in an enterprise AR setting and a lot of those applications are just kind of like AR as a utility like how can we use it to help us do tasks that we already do but a little bit better and a little bit easier um and in terms of the creative practice um again today I was at the shed there is a beautiful exhibit using AR glasses um uh, about I believe it's I i don't want to say his name incorrectly but it's (laughs) called kagami and it's this japanese pianist and a volumetric capture of him but it's a co-present experience where there's a bunch of people in the space and you you watch the um uh holographic kind of performance together but you still feel each other's bodies like you're it's still the feeling of being at a concert a very intimate experience i didn't feel like it was i felt kind of closer to the people in the room when I was experiencing it myself. myself. Um, and that's, yeah, I don't think it's meant to be as an escape. I think it's just meant to augment, mm-hmm. <laughs> as it is in the name, your experience of reality. To
0: further ground you in it. Yeah. What are some of your favorite AR VR
1: pieces? I think that, well, the one that I've uh, been experiencing uh, today has been really beautiful. Um, Honestly, I have not consumed as much VR content because, again, it just doesn't feel as great for me. Um, it's really funny because I've worked in it for several years, but I honestly don't actively go out of my way to consume exhibits in the space because I feel like I touch it so much every day that like, mm-hmm. I get more inspiration from traditional art. So I can't really name anything off the top of my head No
0: worries And what about your own work? Um, Are there specific examples that you find best represent The goal that you're going for
1: or what you're trying to create? Yeah, um, honestly There was a short film I made in high school um, About uh, kind of like somebody's inner critic coming out of their head And like physically being embodied by a performer Talking to them I think that's still a theme of just, like, my own inner conflict that I'm trying to capture. Um, uh, it's still up on YouTube somewhere, but I'm not, like, <laughs> showing it publicly. <laughs> um, a lot of my work, none of it has really felt, like, complete yet. Um, like, the filters exist, but I don't consider that, like, true art in a weird way. I'm like, oh, that's just, like, a, like a decorative thing. Mm-hmm. Like, a, to me, it feels like a... Um, not to downplay the importance of like tactile um like craftsman oriented art but i'm like okay filters like if i were to make like some pottery like that's what it feels like to me right um so it's all in my head for now i i've been in a very like low uh self-confidence run for the past few i've been in my flop era (laughs) so i i can't say that anything that i've made in the past two years has been like super um groundbreaking for me personally but my thesis project in college i think was kind of a step in the right direction where i was theorizing about like know fidgetal fashion as they call it now right um i built like this like physical patch that would be sewed on a shirt with configurable image markers on it that had uh, little uh, snap buttons on them so you could like physically take the stuff off and configure a new little art piece on your shirt okay, and cool. then each one would trigger a new ar effect in the virtual world so it was kind of um uh, prototyping how can we make something that's modular in real life but also has the same effect in AR as our lives move closer and closer towards being this like dual experience?
0: Right. Yeah. Very interesting. I, w- I would like to see it. Um, but I also like your filters and I <laughs> think I think they can be art pieces yeah. in and of themselves. Unfortunately, the way that they have been initially
1: presented to us it doesn't really yeah seem i think i'm craving more of like a story narrative structure that it's much more um like theater performance like right. like something with like duration and progression and change over time in it um rather than like a singular object I, I think i see filters as like sculptures right um or clothing in a way um and it's just like not enough for me i want like a little bit more of a story arc yeah. Um, so something I'm looking forward towards experimenting with is virtual production and avatars, and like how can I make more of that traditional video content using 3D scans and data, and like playing with that, and then eventually also spatializing it in the hardware used for AR. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I was talking to my friend Adrian the other day. I don't know if I mentioned this at the beginning, but I intended this would be to kind of I intended for this to be a, a two part episode or mm-hmm. a piece that I'm putting out about our digital selves mm-hmm. and Adrian has an avatar that mm-hmm. they use for their art pieces um, and for their performances mm-hmm. and it is this kind of digital version of themselves mm-hmm. um, and I find it intriguing because we all kind of have those yeah. and to me that's kind of what a filter is as well yeah right it's an uploaded version of yourself that you are able to manipulate in order to change the way that you present yourself to the world
1: yeah it's uh i have listed the longer i work in the field the more i have so many like negative thoughts about it but also (laughs) it is still i think tech in itself should be used as a tool um and then depending on what your intentions are what you create with it it could be the result could be like good or evil but um yeah it is it's really crazy to have these little miniature sim versions of yourself running around and you can make them do whatever you want that you couldn't do in real life
0: Mm -hmm. it
1: also seems like the
0: most of the ways in which this is presented to us it uh
1: preys on our self-consciousness a little Mm, bit mm -hmm. oh yeah if you're talking purely about like beauty filters yeah for sure i finally reached a place over the past like year and a half where i'm just like accepted that like human bodies or like my own to myself is like inherently disgusting and won't look like what like the perfect stuff looks like but somehow through that it's like a deep final contentment with it i think i just like did a lot of introspection and like thinking about the lives of my 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 mother my grandmother my great-grandmother like how they experience life and beauty in the world and trying to just like every time i get too hung up on it like reach back into that and be like okay but I'm real, you know, Mm -hmm. this digital shit could like disappear tomorrow if the servers are down, but I'm real. Like I just need to make sure that I'm healthy and like the greatest joy I get is still out of just like laughing with friends and physically experiencing something with them and hoping and knowing that like, for example, if like in relationships, like people will like me for who I am completely as a physical human being (laughs) rather than just like based on like what my body looks like um but the the surveillance and the self-surveillance embedded in social media practices right now is like definitely absolutely not good for our mental health (laughs) yeah
0: it seems like it kind of prolongs this pubescent stage that we're all in where you're desperately trying to fit in Mm -hmm. and look like how most people should look yeah and now I don't know it, it's hard for me to say like a hundred years ago if people ever truly grew yeah. past it probably not but I would maybe make an argument that they became
1: more at peace with it at an earlier stage I also think aging has been like the biggest focus yes. of that in, in my <laughs> life you know as we age like because um, again you know being in a femme presenting body being socialized as a girl majority of my life um there's a lot of like weird pressure and uh, objectification that you experience where like oh if you're like a young girl you know you're desirable because you're young and beautiful etc and like part of you hates your uh, part of me hated myself because i'm like i don't want men like creeping on me mm-hmm. and then like you hit an age where you're like suddenly losing that desirability and then you're like oh no now i'm yeah. like an old hag and nobody <laughs> wants to fuck me because i don't look like a prepubescent child right. which is also extremely messed up <laughs> um but and the filters and the smoothing and the photoshopping doesn't help. The, it, it's the, the issue is not the existence of that. The issue is the dissonance between seeing that image of yourself that is altered and then seeing yourself in the mirror and seeing your actual reality and being conditioned to think that what you see in the mirror is wrong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even though, like historically, you know, age has been revered and has been equated to wisdom. And like, culturally, I think we need to shift away from just like, commodifying youth and again i think it's a it's a fall of capitalism because the more you know you're bombarded with ads saying like oh you have a single brinkle in your skin you disgusting filthy monster (laughs) here's our uh, 200 dollars serum that will do absolutely nothing for like the physical structure of your skin right but will make you think that you're doing something Um, for me the biggest improvement has been after like analyzing how consumerism affects my self-perception and just like once you decouple that it starts to get a little easier but i worry about you know thinking about myself when i was like 13 14 15 seeing all this for the first time thinking about the kids today like of course you're gonna feel like crap when you don't look like a supermodel who has also you know doesn't look like what she looks like in a photo that's been digitally altered (laughs) and it's it's like the whole like baudrillard's like whole thing about the simulacra Mm -hmm. of of life like that's it's crazy to objectively just take a step back and think about this whole spectacle that we've created for ourselves like if you're not directly affected by it in the moment and you're not feeling super insecure and self-conscious you look at it and you're like this is so hilarious like we're all clowns trying to convince ourselves and each other that we are who we're not whereas like the easiest thing to do would just be like yeah i'm exactly as i am but i also love you for who you are and Mm -hmm. like doesn't really matter like yeah we can play the charade online but like the reality is like the best part of life is still just like chilling with things exactly as they are or making something new but like not rejecting what you are and experiencing yeah i think that's a good point point. and it can be really hard because like one of the methods of like you know power is putting people down making people feel like they are weak making pe- people feel like they're insecure like right. the longer you spend hating yourself and like fighting amongst ourselves like the easier it is for people who hold that over you to maintain their power
0: mm-hmm. yeah i see what you mean
1: Like being ugly is an act of radicalism (laughs) and (laughs) accepting it and being like, yeah, this is sick. And I, again, I've been going through this recently a lot where I'm like, I know that I can look a certain way when I alter my image online and for people to consume that, but that's not really me. And then when people compliment me in person to my like actual physical self, I still don't believe them. Mm -hmm. And then I feel bad because they're like, but you're like, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, but I don't feel that way. Right. So I I totally get it why how you can how both things can be true. Like you you can think somebody's so beautiful and they they genuinely will just it, they can't process it. They like I I start to dissociate sometimes. And it's not like they're fishing for compliments. It's just because we've been exposed to like such hyper altered images our entire life that because we don't match up that standard in my mind, I feel like but I can't be, because that's not what the data says, you Yeah, know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like a weird, like, unlearning journey I'm going on now, like, trying to trust people that if they tell me in person a certain thing that they like about me, that they genuinely mean it, and they're not, like, lying. Right, <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, we we definitely hyper-fixate on ourselves mm-hmm. to the point where, not that it was ever, a ab- not that we were ever able to get an objective picture of who right. we are, but seems like it's unraveling itself more and more yeah
1: yeah and at the end of the day like you can never be in somebody else's shoes you can't really experience life from their perspective we could just kind of make assumptions and guesses and it's incredible that anything in life functions and Mm -hmm. anything in society functions that we're able to come to any agreements about reality it's so funny i'm
0: thinking about how we're constantly doing this um I don't know if you've ever read Sartre. <laughs>
1: no, not yet. So he has I have the concept. attention span of like a snail.
0: <laughs> I have it up on the, on the bookshelf. I mean, don't read it. It's a slog. <laughs> but <laughs> there are certain chapters that I find provoking. And there was one point when I was reading that book that kind of broke my brain. And it's about the look. Mm. The look of the other. Mm-hmm. And the example that he always employs is when if someone is peeking through a keyhole to like see what's on the other side Mm -hmm. um, when you're engaged in that act you're not thinking about how you look while you're doing it you're just looking through the keyhole and then when someone walks into the room and sees you doing it (laughs) then you are awash with shame you know you can finally see yourself see how you might be presented to the other and there's a lot of shame that comes with that and I think about how embarrassing it is that we're always, that we're online right now projecting ourselves mm-hmm. onto other people and we can all see this charade that we're all yeah. putting ourselves through and it is fundamentally kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Maybe that's just my interpretation.
1: I have gone through that opinion about it too. Lately, I've, I yeah, no, it takes a long time to like get out of it. And then sometimes it's just like a, it comes and goes for me. Um, If I'm feeling really insecure and I haven't had enough social interactions with the people close to me in a while I start to like really hate myself and then going online Seeing what fun things other people are doing makes me feel even worse Mm -hmm. um, but if i'm doing all right I look at it and i'm like damn this is terrible for me like i can't be on instagram for more than five minutes most <laughs> of what i do is i like post something to my story and then like i talk to people in dms right um the minute i start looking at other people's stories and like scrolling through the feed i'm awash with just like comparison and i'm like oh, i'm not grinding hard enough right. <laughs> um and i've been trying to like uh yeah because i think self-perception and beauty and all of that has for me is always at the forefront whenever i'm like trying to date or like in in, like intimate relationships um so trying to for me lately i've been trying to put myself out of my comfort zone and just like meet as many people as i can and talk about these things with them yeah um like partners or potential partners and like um the more diverse points of view i'm kind of getting from them and their opinions about it and, and myself and also with friends the more i'm able to when i'm in the moments of extreme like self-judgment and self-doubt step back and be like okay but we know from past experiences that we're a lot more similar to everybody else than we think we are Mm -hmm. and all of us and like biologically have reactions that are very similar and we're all worried about how other people see us and like statistically nobody else really cares about yeah. you as much as you care about like yourself or what you look like it's just so hard to regulate that in the moment because we are such visual creatures and i've been thinking a lot about like we just have not evolved quickly enough to mm-hmm. perform correctly in this landscape yeah um and it's interesting sometimes i brought that up to people and they're like well yeah then the like smartest solution is to just murder ourselves with tech merge ourselves with ai biohack our brain and i'm like oh but is it really (laughs) like i i'm personally pro like i don't know sometimes i feel more like i you know uh, we need to destroy all technology and go back to farm life which is not which lasts for like two seconds because i'm like modern convenience of medicine and irrigation and stuff (laughs) no that is a gen like an overall good i think but um I try to remind myself that my brain at like the the core core level like the lizard brain level that's like the survival mode level there are certain reactions i have because of that and i can't really change it Mm -hmm. um and just trying to remind myself that okay this is just me overreacting because i think something's a threat but it's actually not so let's take a step back and just think about how funny this is (laughs) um so in in terms of the ar
0: projections of yourself Mm -hmm. that you put up what kinds of worlds are you trying to immerse yourself
1: in yeah i think most i mean most recently the stuff i've been brainstorming in my head is all about just like self-devouring and like the (laughs) the evil version of me coming out and like just like blood and murder and hell and like all the scary stuff that i feel like Um, growing up I was really obsessed with pleasing authority and being a good girl and like really smart and perfect and put together and everybody would like tell me how smart I am and that's my only value so I think I just really want to express the extremely primal anger and craving and hunger that I feel inside that I feel like I have not been able to express in a in my real life Mm -hmm. um and just creating this, like, very carnivorous version of myself. <laughs>
0: so what kinds of scenarios does that result in?
1: Um, just, like, uh, the stuff that I've been thinking about doing VFX on is just, like, me, like, unzipping my body with the skin peeling off right. to reveal some sort of, like, cyber, hybrid skeleton. Um anything to visualize the anxiety i feel about technology and human life and like exploitation coming together um i'm looking to work with some video to uh, a mocap ai tools and i have some models and avatars of myself that i've made so a lot of just like very like uh fetishware adjacent bdsm adjacent (laughs) stuff basically Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) just because it's not like how i am in my day-to-day life when people meet me in person a lot of times especially it's like especially through dating apps (laughs) they meet me in person they're like wow you're so like normal and chill where you like project a very dummy mommy image online and i'm like yeah because there's like the part of my brain that i don't think is socially acceptable of course i'm not gonna (laughs) practice it in my day-to-day life because it's just not you know practically viable (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah um but I need a venue to express that in and I think if I make it a little bit campy and over the top and like gory like people will understand that it's a character you Mm -hmm. know a caricature of a certain part of myself
0: yeah and I mean I think we're all doing that on a smaller scale Mm -hmm. we're all projecting these things that we feel we hold inside of us that we can't materialize into the real world or it's not acceptable
1: yeah my favorite thing is meeting people I know from the internet in person and becoming their friend and like it's like I'm in on the joke like I know the the, the dramatic irony of like who you are in real life and what you choose to show and sometimes when I haven't spent enough time in person with someone and I only get their like image and then after a while like go and talk to them and they debrief me about their life i'm like oh my god and i was out here thinking that you were like this like god Mm -hmm. whereas actually we're literally the same (laughs) and it's just like such a sigh of relief that i always Always. feel where i'm like oh like you're fucked up too (laughs) like it's really i think that's kind of the best remedy to it is meeting as many people that you idolize in person and realizing that like oh you're not just that we are very complex three-dimensional people and i think that that's the most beautiful thing about life like the mm-hmm. the intricacies of who we are and our past experiences and how we navigate around the world i love people i love learning about them i'm so nosy
0: <laughs> <laughs> so am I. yeah um, it's fun it's it the most fun about. Ba- like
1: i feel like that's the i don't know if everything else were to disappear like I don't care if AR goes away tomorrow, I don't care if the industry burns down, whatever. I think that my friends and people and love is definitely the most valuable thing about being alive, and that's kind of what I try to tell myself anytime I get too lost in the sauce. Right, yeah. <laughs> um do you ever think that this
0: primal caricature of yourself is going to feel fully expressed and you'll move on to
1: probably not probably not but maybe i think about that and i'm like okay is the plan to like okay finally i make an album like i've always wanted to get my crazy person out am i suddenly gonna be like okay it's time to like settle down and have a child and like be normal Mm -hmm. or am i always gonna be crazy (laughs) and i feel like i don't know i've met a lot of artists who are older than me and who i look up to i think there's just a certain trait that you have as a creative that like you don't quite lose it over time it's very rare it's i think it's just a part of you and how you experience the world um i think the more important thing for me is reminding myself that when i start to get really uncomfortable and like unhappy with myself that i'm probably missing that outlet the crazy outlet and i need to like actively work on it and let it out rather than suppress it because the suppression is what causes the self-hatred and Mm -hmm. the downward spiral i think we all need more communal play spaces as adults where we can just kind of be free and express ourselves in our child like state that doesn't have to involve drugs it doesn't have to be super like uh there's so many like businesses out there that are trying to make money off of our desire to do that yeah i know like go on this retreat and spend two thousand (laughs) dollars sitting around a campfire so you can finally talk a little bit about what makes you feel afraid But, like, we could just do that on a Friday night in somebody's apartment. We -hmm. just don't have the established kind of social context for it. So something else that's not online that I would love to do eventually is host some, like, insane dinner parties that are, like, quasi-performance art piece, quasi-just, like, everybody get their little feelings out. Because we need it. I think it's the only way to move forward in this insane world that we're experiencing right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It seems like... These spaces haven't matured enough mm-hmm. as we do as we grow older, like I notice a lot of the Peter Pan mm. ism, mm-hmm. Peter Pan disease, yeah, um you know, I saw something recently it just like it was just like what you were talking about it was um uh, a camp for adults, mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, you pay a lot of money and you go and you stay in a cabin and you yeah. bring a sleeping bag it's like yeah but this doesn't seem it doesn't solve anything yeah there's no new dimension being
1: Mm -hmm. brought into this
0: it's kind of just remember when you were a kid and how nice that was
1: that's just again i think i think that it needs to be a a regular practice in our day-to-day lives where we can reconcile that hold space for it and then also think about okay but like how can we change or improve our thought patterns to carry us forward. Cause we're not the same that we were when we were 16 or 12 or five or whatever, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, and it is harder to believe that when you are on social media and you're able to have your photos from when you were like 13 yeah. or use filters that make you look like you were 13. <laughs> or a baby. Yeah. And I, I think like this, this also goes to like in a greater context, like it is harder for our generation to have the traditionally adult markers of life of like saving up and having a mortgage and on like mm-hmm. a house or settling down and have kids because everything's so expensive um or thinking about like the morals and ethics of like bringing children into the world where climate change is so imminent. so like how do i even plan for an adult future when i feel like there's no guarantee that i would live that long like
0: a VR y- yeah. experience of being married with children. Yeah,
1: uh, well, I personally want a VR app of going on a date with Robert Pattinson where he's just like <laughs> extremely rude to me and really strange. And I think like that that's the kind of stuff that I would make personally. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it definitely, I, I think that uh, for all of the kind of like, all the things that I dismiss, I think there is still value in creating Healing projects of like mimicking an interaction that you didn't get as a child or Mm. you can't get right now, but it needs to be done in a way that you know acknowledges your pain and allows you to have a ritual that kind of gives you the thing that you didn't get, but also some sort of like critical discussion about like you know, this is not real life, you can't stay here forever, but how can you use? the emotions that you experienced during this th- that were positive, carry them forward in your day-to-day life. Um, cause there's obviously this fear of like the future being like Wally or like the matrix or like yeah. whatever, where people are just, you know, ready player one, people are just like trapped in headsets cause real life sucks. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be that way. I hate <laughs> the reductive nature of all of these like doomers conversations Um we can imagine a better life it's just that the people who hold the power don't want us to because it would take away their profits right (laughs) that's true and i don't have the answers to what that would look like but i think that we need to start having these like local discussions with our communities with our friends how can we survive in a healthier way Mm -hmm. despite all the weird shit that's going on because historically if you think about it like Bad stuff has happened constantly. So even though tech is new, the the upheavals, the diseases, the weirdness, I it's been happening for centuries and we've still survived, you know? Yeah. So I'm trying to think
0: right now of like <laughs> therapy VR where your dad is nice to you <laughs> yeah well
1: honestly uh, i don't know i there's so many startups out there they're like therapy vr really i haven't there's I'm lots heard there's of lots that what like do people tell ta- ta- i don't know a lot of them are like meditation and like all this other stuff okay i think the um the stuff that kind of gets me irked is like a lot of them just use that as a marketing ploy to get funding and the product that they deliver doesn't actually resolve anything internally for the user. Um, Therapy and inner growth and healing is such a complex thing that involves multiple dimensions. You can't just like watch a video and suddenly you feel cured like you need conversations. And I think that we need social interactions with people to process our feelings as well um so there's yet to be something in that space that i find super effective but it has been proven to like um help in certain cases for example for people with phantom limb syndrome um -hmm. there have been vr experiences built where it allows them to kind of visualize their pain being relieved in the virtual space and because our brain is so like, getting the right sensory input, the brain is able to finally let go and the pain goes away. Right. Um, I think it's just still, it's, we're still so early. Mm-hmm. Like, even though Apple is releasing this headset and people are, like, making these insane claims about the future, the reality of it is, like, we're still so far from having the tech to fully, like, make yourself want to live in this space know, for yeah. the rest of your life that, like, its it's not as... It is great. There are use cases. I think people should try to build stuff with it and try it to you like as consumers as well. Um, But like we're still a ways away. Yeah. In terms of
0: what you were talking about before, our brains having caught up with Mm -hmm. it. It's like we need the time to immerse ourselves in this new reality, which that could even happen. I mean, it will definitely happen over generations. Yeah um like you can't just plug yourself into daddy's nice to me vr and yeah get but also meta-data. like
1: daddy's nice to me vr <laughs> if it looks like playstation 2 graphics like you're not really gonna get the same exactly fulfillment yet. that you would from like a high definition of volumetric capture um i know one of the earliest vr projects i conceptualized when i first started working with the medium in school was oh i wish i could make like a graveyard or like a, a vr graveyard where like I, my grandmother who i was most closest to growing up she passed away this past fall and i always wish that i could just like she lived in a different country too so i couldn't Mm -hmm. see her a lot and i missed her a lot and like i wish that i could pop in and like use data from her experiences and her voice and stuff and just like talk to her and ask her a question and be like hey i'm struggling with this in my life right now i wish that i could use her guidance on it just for comfort and clarity yeah um and i think that as long as you know that that's not like it's more of like a self-reflection activity rather than like the truth yeah. it's kind of how i feel about chat gpt because sometimes it hallucinates um I and so. and um uh i and many other people have used chat gpt for therapy okay. i come to it when i'm like having a moment of overwhelming thoughts i'm like hey help me process this but the way that i do it now that i have been in therapy for very long i'm like okay give me specific cognitive behavioral therapy techniques right. that i could do or pretend you are like a th- blah, 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 walk me through the session they're never going to tell you a magical answer that you've never known before it's always going to be an aggregate of like research and advice that therapists have given in the past but it's more so a process of like you processing your own emotions through this conversation right um and i saw online a tweet where like a lot of people kids like uh, older adults are like yeah you know chad gpt knows secrets about me i couldn't tell anybody else but it's interesting because it's kind of just like a a playground like a training ground for something you would actually do with a physical person Mm -hmm. and i think remembering that in our interaction with technology like our you know virtual girlfriends and like whatever <laughs> just reminding yourself that this is not a real being but you can still use it to practice and heal and grow internally and then apply it in the real world that's probably the healthiest way to approach it
0: yeah the biggest component of that is just having an avenue to get thoughts out Mm -hmm. which I mean you can accomplish even by journaling yeah it's just the subjective picture of what you're feeling and what you're thinking yeah um but an added part of that would be having something yeah that can speak back to you whether what they say is super valuable or not just some kind of perspective
1: yeah I think a lot about religion um I didn't grow up in a religious household but my grandmother was and just thinking about how like um i have a lot of opinions about institutional religion but i think historically there's always been a practice of like spirituality and believing in something bigger than yourself and when you take that away in the modern world it feels very scary because we are overwhelmed Mm. by how unpredictable life is and how insignificant we may be and we desperately want answers we want some somebody to explain to us why things are the way they are because the uncertainty drives fear yeah um and in a way like talking to Chad gpt or creating these little virtual worlds that feel larger than life and beautiful or some people you know they're ready to join the church of agi and being like this machine will give me all the answers it's the same shit we've been doing for years yeah. with like you know going to confessional and like being able to be physically in the same room, singing hymns together, such a moving experience that like, you know, you know, maybe you gaming with your friends playing smash could also deliver the same feeling and like, then right. going to concert. I think that like there's fundamental traits that human beings have that keep getting recycled because we have not evolved out of them. Right. Um, and tech taps into certain like psychological tendencies that we have
0: the computer is my God and ChatGPT mm-hmm. is the priest.
1: Yeah. But <laughs> I, I like to come to it with an attitude where like I became very, very afraid when I first learned about, you know, uh, AI and all this stuff, mostly because the AI itself is not going to do anything. It's the people who own it. You know, the people who wield the power, always yeah. the people. So I try to come to it with an attitude of the computer is my friend and it is a tool. It is like a pencil. It is like, you know, a hammer, I can do things with it and I can use it to my advantage to help me build a world that I think is good rather than evil. And I think there are enough people in the world, especially technologists in the world who have, you know, more helpful and less profit oriented ideas. It's just you don't really see them surface because they're not the companies pushing out the
0: the products. Yeah, that's true. You can definitely sense that when you are talking to people mm-hmm. or founders in this space, not just what the big tech companies is yeah. pushing out. Some people have a good moral code and they want to create something that delivers a solution to a problem that they experience
1: or problems that they have noticed other people experience. Yeah. I think that everything is less black and white than it feels online and I have a hard time remembering that sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's something that I keep trying to remind myself of.
0: Yeah. Alright. I think we've <laughs> done about an hour. Is there <laughs> anything that you would like anyone to know about where to find your work?
1: Uh, sure. I am on Instagram, Twitter, and the internet at KitVolta or com. I'm still th- doing my brand revamp, my character building, so it might be a minute before anything coherent is up, but you can definitely find my work posted there and um i don't know tell your friends you love them more often than you think that they would want to hear it because they do want to hear it and they also love you (laughs) that's very true good note to end on
0: all right thanks yeah bye